The Winding Stairs Freemasonry Podcast is made possible in part by freemasonryart.com. You have arrived at The Winding Stairs, a program dedicated to Masonic education and the practical side of Freemasonry. I am your host, Juan Sepulveda professional artist and master mason. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Winding Stairs. I am Juan Sepulveda and I thank you for taking the time to join us today. Uh, today I'm going to have a conversation with a brother that I've known for a few years now. Barely met him in person, uh, but due to certain circumstances we, we couldn't meet. Uh, but we've met online and we've had some good conversations. Uh, today we have brother Robert Marshall. He is the Lodge Secretary of Waco Lodge number 92 in Waco, Texas. He is the man behind the amazing articles at WacoMasonic.org and he's a frequent contributor to the Winding Stairs Freemasonry Group. Brother Robert, thank you for joining us in the Winding Stairs. How are you? I am well, Juan, and uh, very glad to be here. I'm very, very happy that we're finally sitting down and, and having a conversation. Um, I've I've paid attention to a lot of the things that you contribute on the One East Stairs Freemasonry group. And for the brothers that are members of that group, they'll probably recognize your, your name uh, because you're one of the most active brothers out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this or not, but you're within the top 10 most active brothers in the One East Stairs. Oh. And, oh wow! That's, yeah, all right. Yeah, and that's cool. a lot to say, considering yeah. that we have a, a few dozen brothers in that group. Yeah, you've got an extremely active group. Yeah, I'm very pleased with how the group has turned out to be. Of course, it has its challenges, but um, it is it, it's a good place. And whenever I meet brothers that say, "Oh, it's one of my favorite groups on on Facebook," it you know it gives me the the warm feelings. Yeah, <laughs> to hear absolutely. That. So, brother, just to to give brothers an opportunity to get to know a little bit about you, um, can you give me a little background of your journey, how it began as a as a Mason? So, how did you become interested in Masonry, and how did you start? Sure. Um, let's see. My my first awareness of Freemasonry was mostly uh, subconscious. My great grandfather was a Mason. I was very close to him. He was a World War II veteran. Uh, he and his wife uh, played a major impact in my development as a young person. Uh, there were signs and stories and uh, various kinds of references to Freemasonry throughout my childhood that I was unaware of until later on when I was initiated. Uh, but ultimately, uh, when my great-grandmother passed away, uh, I inherited uh, some of their furniture. And there was a secret turning drawer in my great-grandfather's dresser uh, that had uh, militaria, uh, as well as quite a few Masonic coins and tokens and a Scottish Rite certificate and degree card. Uh, So at that point, I was already aware of what Masonry was, but that really gave me a, all right, uh, maybe I can, despite having just become distanced from them by their death, in a different way, become closer to them by sharing his his Masonic experience. Uh, The reason I was already aware of what Freemasonry was by that point is my oldest brother suffered a football injury in junior high. Uh, 
broke off a piece of his hip. Oh, wow. And uh, at the time, our family was uh, low income, uh, so healthcare was not readily available to us. Uh, first, several doctors effectively told uh, my brother and my father uh, that he, a 13-year-old boy who loved sports, was probably never going to walk again. And uh, if he did, it wouldn't be very well. My great-grandfather, uh, Scottish Rite Shriner, etc., said, uh, to heck with those doctors, send him up to the Scottish Rite Hospital in Dallas. And uh, it was a slow process, uh, painful process. We've got some home videos of his first Christmas on crutches, and you can see the pain he was in coming into the room as he was recovering and going through therapy with Scottish Rite. But ultimately, uh, he ended up being able uh, to get into bodybuilding with me. Uh, he makes a living uh, doing uh, labor on construction sites. So, I mean, he is more than able-bodied. Uh, so that was how masonry was made consciously aware to me. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you were at the receiving end of some of the the efforts that the organization makes to to help people. So that that's outstanding. So, uh, and, and you're fortunate that you had a family connection there to to masonry. Mm -hmm. Now, absolutely. Um, when you join masonry, um, of course, I would imagine that some aspects of masonry had a a resonance with you more than others. Some things would, you know, pique your interest more more than others. What would you say some of those things uh, were? Uh, that's a fun question to me. That's one that I try to ask every Mason I meet if I get the chance. Uh, so I'm a history guy. Uh, I'm also a literature and philosophy guy. My degrees are in history, philosophy, and literature. Uh, and Anyone who's been a Mason for any length of time can understand how an interest in any of those things would cause one to anchor himself in Freemasonry. Uh, so all of those aspects of Freemasonry greatly appealed to me. Uh, there is an aspect that I think gets oft overlooked and even denied uh, by a lot of Masons, but I'm a millennial. I was born in 1990. Uh, I found my lodge through a website in 2008, uh, which was pretty groundbreaking, uh, cutting edge for Masonic lodges, especially in this part of the country. Uh, so to the past masters of my lodge who uh, will be seeing this, well, well done, guys. You were uh, really pushing the envelope uh, by having a uh, website in the first place. Uh, but the potential for one-on-one -on -one relationships and friendships with older gentlemen uh, with life experience was something that as a millennial, was extremely appealing to me. Uh, a lot of times with the conversation about the numbers going down in Freemasonry today, uh, traveling around, you hear all oh, these young guys just want Facebook or the internet. They're, they're not interested in uh, what we're doing. And I can't tell you how false that, that idea is. Uh, it is true that we have grown up with Facebook and social media and information at our fingertips, but that's why we are so thirsty for Freemasonry and one-on-one -on -one, uh, friendships. Uh, many young men aren't aware that Freemasonry can provide that. If we can effectively make them aware, like what happened with me, you've got a Mason for life. And that's, that's important to recognize that because you may have a preconceived notion of, you know, the fact that Oh, millennials perhaps are not interested in the history components or the esoterics or 
the application of masonry or whatever it is, that preconceived notion might um, pretty much skew the experience for that young man mm-hmm. and then essentially just showing him the door. Absolutely. So uh, one thing that I usually try to you know tell brothers, especially when they're in a leadership position in Lodge, is you know try to understand what it is that these men came in for. Because when you have men that come into masonry and their interest is to to become better men mm-hmm. through the practical application of masonry, if your lodge meetings contain nothing, you know, contain zero percent of that, right? Like, mm-hmm. what are the chances that this man is going to feel fulfilled by taking a few hours every couple of weeks to spend in lodge? Whereas if you really know, oh, that's this is what he's here for. Let's make sure that he gets at least a little bit of that to take back yeah. home when he leaves. So, uh, the first thing I did when I became secretary was start to do exactly what you're saying in a very literal sense. So when a, a visitor arrives, before a guy ever even petitions, I'll ask him, why are you here? What are you interested in? What, 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 what brought you around? I write it down on a piece of paper. I put his name on a folder and I put that in the files. Uh, and now I'm a couple of years into for all of our new members for the last couple of years. If we need somebody to work on a project, I can pull up their file and I can look at why he was here in the first place uh, and and determine whether or not that project can somehow morph into fulfilling that desire. Uh, so I'm with you. We have to answer that question. That's excellent. And, and that reminds me the. The lodge in which I was initiated, uh, Iolo Lodge, number 207 in Orlando, Florida, they had a list of pretty much of talents. So there was a list of the lodge membership, and right next to them there were a few columns where you could add the things that you were interested in, whether Mm. you were musically inclined, whether you were into theater, that sort of stuff. Because it, it, it really opened up a opportunities um if someone tells you that they love theater then perhaps having them involved in ritual having them involved in degree work that would be a very good fit that would be very fulfilling to them and so that's a that's a practice that i would recommend for the brothers listening or watching that that it's easy to implement you know it's a all you need is to print a sheet with the names of the people or even just mention it in a meeting that you'll have a a sign-up sheet and not just compile it. The important component here is to actually every now and then come back to it and just make sure that you are, it when we're applicable, um, putting, you know, comparing some of these brothers with activities that are going to fulfill that side of their interest. Absolutely. And just last week, I was down at Austin Lodge 12 and was talking with a man named, a brother named Randall Bass. Uh, and he said something along these lines that really, for me, was a, a reminder of how important this is. Uh, Randall Bass is an internationally known composer and musician. And uh, what he said to me was, uh, when I first came in, I didn't really feel like there was anything for me to do here. And he said, uh, finally, not very long ago, uh, the members of the lodge invited me to uh creatively figure out a way to incorporate my music with the lodge environment. Uh, so he's a, he, he plays music before and after meetings now. Uh, and I cannot tell you how wonderful it was to have a 
brilliant musician in there playing uh, historic compositions as well as some of the, his, his own music. Uh, but according to him, the fraternity almost lost him forever because uh, we had not yet considered uh, the uh, importance of fulfilling that original desire like you're talking about. That you're very fortunate to to have someone in Lodge like that that is uh, musically inclined and can actually step up and add that little element uh, of solemnity to, to some of the aspects of it. Solemnity is exactly right. This program is made possible in part by FreemasonryArt.com, an online store of products made by Masons for Masons. It features a growing selection of original Masonic paintings, limited edition artwork, and genuine lambskin Masonic aprons. Imagine yourself walking into your next lodge meeting wearing a hand-painted Masonic apron, like the ones we see displayed in museums. We invite you to look at our growing collection and support the winding stairs through your purchase. For details, go to freemasonryart.com. Now, I wanted to explore a little bit your experience in in Waco Lodge as a secretary. Like I know the secretary position can be very challenging. It has a lot of moving parts. Uh, I'm sure it's very time consuming, but knowing you to be a, a, a bright side of, of things <laughs> person, uh, what would you say has been one of the most fulfilling components of being a secretary? Uh, so my lodge in particular, we have 280 members. Uh, and for years I've seen traveling the average active population of your membership is usually somewhere around 10%, uh, if you're lucky. Uh, and we're about that number. We have about 28 to 40 active Masons uh, at our lodge, whether they're at this lodge or an appendant body or whatever. Uh, but uh, that means there's 200 to 240 with whom I never really had very good opportunities to establish connections until I was secretary. And part of my job was uh, contacting these guys on a regular basis. Uh, so the result has been learning stories of uh, our lodge members impacting the community, either directly through masonry or otherwise, uh, that is important for our lodge story. Uh, so that's been a big part of it for me. Also, uh, just connecting with some of these old guys who they were wanting to come to lodge, uh, but they had anxiety about, well, I don't remember the signs or uh, things that are important to Freemasonry, without a doubt. Uh, but can easily be retaught to a guy who's already a dues-paying member. Uh, and uh, just building those friendships with guys who weren't already coming to Lodge has been a very fulfilling part of being secretary, as well as uh, updating the Lodge technology. Uh, so I'm a historian. I look at Masonic history, and I find that in the late 1800s, uh, the, pro the proliferation of projection technology across the world was speared by Freemasons using magic lanterns in lectures. We caused all of society to adapt projectors in that way, uh, or at least encouraged it, inspired it in a lot of communities. Uh, and the same can be said of typewriters uh, and various things. Well, 
over the last 50 years, we kind of lost that identity. Uh, where I mentioned earlier how rare it was to have a website 10 years ago for a lodge. Uh, so uh, as secretary, uh, really pushing the envelope at the lodge uh, to at least explore the use of new technologies uh, has been a lot of fun. And I would imagine that although fulfilling, it must be challenging because trying to foster change within mm -hmm. an organization, right, mm -hmm. that has such an aversion to to change and modernization. And, and it's interesting because it might not have always been that way, like you say, with the adoption of the Magic Lanterns, that sort of stuff would you know, projectors, typewriters, um, different types of communication. You know, I know, you know, lodges would have intercom sometimes to to help in the admittance of, of people. They would have, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, implementation of technology that would aid in the forward movement. Um, but there seems to be a, an aversion to, to change. There is. Uh, I've heard the joke in several places, I think, the most animated teller of the joke is uh, our current worshipful master here at 92. Uh, that'd be Dave. And uh, Dave will ask the guys the question, uh, how many Masons does it take to change a light bulb? And his answer is, change? <laughs> 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 they panic just over the word. I know. Uh, in a sense, can be appreciable. Uh, I, I believe most Masons who are averse to change are coming from a perspective of this is an ancient thing we've inherited and it's our job to keep it intact as is, which there's a lot of truth in that, a, a great deal of truth in that. But uh, again, historically, uh, lodges and Freemasonry uh, has been defined as the progressive science. Uh, so uh, we are supposed to be able to adapt while maintaining our landmarks. And the word choice there, I think it's important. Uh, when something is presented as change, um, it will have a negative connotation, whether you like it or not. Uh, mm -hmm. But when you perhaps use a word choice of, you know, advancement or progression mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. uh, that, that, that sort of language really makes a difference. I just Absolutely. really recently saw a, a funny video about... Um, the the prime minister i think it i think it was no no it was uh emmanuel macron mm. and he was talking about a a tax he was talking about taxes on like cap and trade or something like that but yeah. he was being very careful to call it a an exchange of values and he called it he called it all kinds of stuff except taxes. But then that's okay. You can take care of that. Okay. Sorry about that. That's okay. So he was being very careful, tap dancing around the word taxes, never said it. And then he slipped up in one meeting and he said uh, taxes and the uh, whole room like burst into like, uh, and they started shouting, almost like, ah, we got you. You, We knew <laughs> you were talking about taxes. Yeah. You know? So well, you like, can't call it that. That's a bad word. No, no, sir. You got to find different words, uh, of course. So 
so it's good to know, you know, that that you found fulfillment in actually trying to implement some forward advancement in the technology in the in the lodge, and despite the challenges of you know the resistance to that progression, uh, that you still are able to um, to see that the resistance comes from a protective uh, nature of you know someone protecting something that they value. Absolutely. Now. What would you see now that you've been, you know, some time in, in, in Masonic leadership, what would you say is one of the challenges that Masonic leadership faces overall? When I was an entered apprentice, I came to Lodge with a written list of 10 ideas that I thought could uh, potentially make Lodge better. Very pretentious, I'm aware, <laughs> as an entered apprentice. Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't like big radical ideas. It was stuff like, uh, we've got a big room, we've got a projector, uh, movie night with the family. Uh, there's a fairgrounds nearby, so let, let's do something with the fair, those kinds of ideas. Uh, and every brother gave me the response, uh, and I went around the room, uh, the lobby during dinner, and everybody said, uh, well, in your year, you should incorporate those ideas. And I was so new to masonry, I didn't even know what it meant when they said in your year. Uh, it was something I had to slowly learn over time. But ultimately, what they were telling me was when I'm when I became worshipful master, I could try my ideas. Well, uh, my lodge is still using the progressive lineup model. Uh, so on my way to the east, I spent a year as junior steward, then senior steward, junior deacon, then senior deacon, junior warden, then senior warden. So ultimately, we're talking about seven to eight years uh, before I was allowed to see any of my ideas attempted was the mentality. Uh, and that's true everywhere in masonry or in a lot of places in masonry, I should say, uh, and at different levels. So in local lodges, we have a my year mentality, uh, which causes a lot of issues you get worshipful masters who uh, are very concerned with the great project they did in that year uh, uh, or um, at the same time you get uh, almost an exodus of worshipful masters once their year's over they peace out yeah uh, they're not they're not buying into a progressive momentum building over time idea uh and i see that everywhere at local lodges and at grand lodges uh they're so caught up in that one year that what happens ultimately is the year starts the worship master starts implementing all of his ideas and as anybody who served in the east knows those 12 months are the shortest 12 months of your life i, hear. I mean they just they blaze by and all these ideas you've implemented uh, just as wheels start moving, if it's a my year mentality lodge, the whole slate gets wiped clean uh, and it all starts over and there's no more, tr there's no tradition. For a fraternity that is so built on tradition, uh, the my year mentality forces us to uh, ignore the potential for building traditions. Uh, so you don't get new annual events. Uh, you don't get uh, the establishment and development of relationships with other community organizations because you're only concerned with that organization for one year. Uh, so for me, that is the biggest issue facing Masonic leadership. Uh, the other major one is, is 
politics, uh, which is inevitable in human nature. Uh, but uh, we often talk about how we don't let politics get in the way of Freemasonry, yet everywhere you turn, politics are stopping Freemasons from uh, even attempting to do good things. Yeah. So those are the two big issues I see. Yeah, those those are two issues that I think we we could gain something from revisiting in the future. So mm-hmm. I look for, look forward to having you know conversations specifically about those because those could be uh, of course lengthy conversations, uh, especially if we w- if we would attempt to uh, perhaps try to share some ideas on how to to mitigate that, mm-hmm. and you know before. Before we we you know we proceed to say goodbye because I want to be respectful of your time, uh, I did want to explore perhaps one idea regarding that um, my year mentality uh, mm-hmm. for for a lodge that you feel is struggling with that kind of mentality. What would you say is you know one or two things that they could do in order to start? changing that culture and perhaps being more collaborative and more long-term uh, vision-minded? Two big things I stress. I'm a, I'm a word nerd. Diction and uh, etymology are really important to me. Uh, so the words we choose to use. Uh, I don't refer to 2015-16 as my year in the East. Uh, it's the year I was in the East. Uh, There's no such thing as my year. Every year is our year. We're a team-oriented organization. Uh, So literally trying to not use the phrase my year, I think, can be helpful. Uh, The other one uh, that's really, really key uh, and important uh, is creating a multi-year plan. Uh, So you you sit the officers down, uh, invite the past masters. uh, You get everybody on board with a three-year plan or a five-year plan or a 10-year plan, whatever you want it to be. And if you've got your next six or seven worshipful masters sitting at the table and you've got the last six or seven past masters sitting at the table and everybody agrees, these are things we want to get accomplished. Uh, and you then you put it in writing and you put it in paper and you read it in, in lodge. This is our plan. That can really help strip away a lot of that my year mentality. We're doing something more than making past masters at that point. That that's very helpful, and and I think that if even though we are in a progressive line as as officers of the lodge, and you move from one chair to the next to the very next, um, you can still collaborate. You can still work together with everybody else and come up with an agreement of how we're going to handle the next three or four years. Mm-hmm. Then you can tackle problems that are much larger, that would require mm-hmm. much more manpower, time, and and resources, and effectively execute them because you mm-hmm. you have a commitment of three, four years. Um, so that's the you know I think that that would be ideal if brothers uh, that are struggling with this, if they think about that uh, on your next officers meeting, bring up that situation, you know, bring up that concept that. Although it is one brother's year to sit in the East, having mm-hmm. a long-term goal that could be adopted and fostered by the rest of the lineup uh, will yield exponentially better results than if it's just one man's vision, you know, tugging along uh, 
a subsequent line of <clears throat> you know future past masters <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah we so, got to get away from worshipful masters being expected to uh drag the lodge along through his year where he's he's doing everything and uh, and it's it's just a it doesn't work yep brother robert it's been a very good conversation i really appreciate your your wisdom and and your ideas um it's it's good to get to know you a little bit better and to share um this conversation with the brothers and you know the brothers will see a little bit more from you um you're an active member of the the winding stairs team so we've put together a team of brothers who are helping make these episodes possible and you know i really appreciate the the work that you're doing there and i look forward to many more conversations in the future likewise thank you hey before you switch to the next podcast let me ask you a question did you find this episode enjoyable did you find any part of it edifying or informative if so please consider supporting our show by choosing one of these options. Mainly by sharing it with other brothers through social media, on your Lodge's website, or through your own blog. By leaving a brief rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Or simply by making a purchase through freemasonryart.com. Regardless of the way in which you choose to support the show, thank you. And as always, may your steps be firm and your path illuminated as we continue our journey up the winding stairs. <laughs>